Good afternoon. This is Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise, here for this week's five minutes with discussion. This week, my special guest is the Wind River CEO, Jim, but I'm sorry, the Wind River CEO, Jim Douglas. Good afternoon, or I guess in your case, good morning, Jim. Good afternoon, Rich. Great to be here again. Good to see you. Well, thank you. Uh, so this is a really interesting time for you and a very timely podcast in that you guys are now an independent company, no longer part of Intel. Um, what does that mean? Tell me what that means to the future of Wind River. Uh, yes, yeah, kind of interesting. We've got a couple things going on. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, as part of Intel, Intel had a much broader purview in terms of their strategy than kind of our core competency. So this allows us to get back to basics. You know, what we've always done is really focused on critical infrastructure. And I think as you've seen, Rich, if you look at the developed world, you know, the next five to ten years, um, there's going to be a huge turnover in terms of the industrial complex, the telco networks, a lot of the defense big platforms, and a very large growing need for new infrastructure around transportation as you know, automated and autonomous driving comes in. You know, so we think we're going into just a, a great time period for us with a lot of tailwinds, and what we're going to do is get more focused on the things that we do great, uh, areas that were strategic to Intel but maybe not aligned completely with kind of our core competency will discontinue and we'll double down in the areas that we do really well. So are there, are there things that you were not able to do when you were part of Intel that you're now able to do? And where I'm going with this, why is this a good thing for customers? Uh, a couple things. First and foremost, I think most all of our customers, you know, have a heterogeneous value chain. And although we maintained relationships with all the other silicon providers, we lost the right to have strategic relationships, Rich, as part of Intel. And so this allows us to, once again, build that relationship where we're looking ahead. You know, you know as they said, we're shooting ahead of the, the duck um, or the puck. You take your analogy alike. Um, but we get a chance to engage with them on kind of the future and align that future for our customers. That's first and foremost. I think the second thing is um, just about complementing what we've been doing from an organic standpoint with inorganic plays as well. You know, as part of Intel, um, this is not a complaint because it was logical and it made sense, but at Intel, a dollar invested in silicon or silicon-enabling technologies was a lot more valuable than a dollar invested in Wind River from an M&A standpoint. So now as an independent company with an independent balance sheet, we've got the opportunity to complement what we've been doing organically with inorganic plays that can add more value for our customers. Very good. Now, one of the things, you know, when, when you first became part of Intel, there was a pledge that you would stay independent and you would support all the architectures. And I have to commend you. You actually did a pretty good job at that of supporting all the other hardware vendors. Um, but was there a perception that you were, I won't say leaking things to Intel because that would be, that would be not fair, but um, did people, were the people who didn't want to do business with you just because you were part of Intel before? Well, I'd commend Intel to start, right, because I think, you know, the management at Intel knew that was critical to running the business. Um, but specifically to your question, they weren't afraid we were going to leak, but once again, we were Intel, right? <laughs> Even though we were operating separate, we were Intel. And so it didn't make sense for them, as I said, to operate with us as strategically as they did prior to the acquisition by Intel. So in general, you know, everyone's customer focused. So where we had 
customer challenges, we'd rally, get together, we'd solve those, but we weren't spending time, as I said, strategically working on roadmaps together. Okay, enough about the past. Uh, you mentioned industrial. Uh, what, is, what does that mean exactly? That means a lot of things to a lot of different people. When you say industrial, what does that mean to Wind River? You're correct. It's a broad term. If you look at where we've traditionally played, it's been predominantly industrial control, but also in other peripheral industries like medical and the like. And I think one of the things that you'll see, Rich, is that, as I said earlier, in the developed countries, there's a preponderance of 80s technology out there. Um, and you're going to see a lot of infrastructure um, turnover in the next five to ten years where a lot of those uh, facilities are going to be updated and you're going to see new technologies being pushed in. And so we see that as a tremendous opportunity. I think the other piece associated with that that's a lot broader than industrial, and this is kind of the true north that I set for my company, is I see this real push from automation to autonomy. And that drive or that direction has got some pretty profound impacts, both in terms of kind of business outcomes and also how people design. And that's really where we're focused is helping customers on that journey. Okay. Uh, you didn't mention the one thing that seems to be the most popular buzzword right now is uh, AI and machine learning. Uh, I have to assume you have a play there. Um, what is what is Wynn's stance on, on those topics? We'll go back to what I just said about that move from automation to autonomy. You know, the transformational technology in that is going to be AI and derivatives, machine learning, um, and things like that. And I think that's been, you know, around the buzz for IoT, that was really the missing component. Most of the IoT investments to date have really been about, you know, taking current operational parameters and making them more efficient. You know, it's not like data is brand new, Rich. Data's always existed. With IoT, people were able to connect devices that weren't connected, extract data a little bit easier, make analytics easier. You know, old days, you generated a log file, someone sat down, looked at it, drew conclusions. So I would say, and this may be heresy, but most of the IoT today has been earth-shattering. I think the real transformational change is going to be around artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, where now you can start to take devices and you can start to change behavior or operational tendencies such that they're constantly improving. That's going to be a huge breakthrough. And that's really what I meant behind that kind of shift from automation to semi-autonomy to autonomy. So... From a Wind River standpoint, um, there's a number of things that we think have to occur to make that happen. One of the big ones is we've got to help and facilitate driving more compute to the edge. Um, if you look at the devices we're typically on today, from a cost standpoint, there's no way that you could take those and you could upscale the processor two or three classes. You know, the bomb cost is already dominated by the cost of the processor and you're going to need a lot more compute to really drive intelligence to the edge. So one of the things that we're really helping our customers with is look for opportunities to do workload consolidation where they can take what were federated systems, consolidating them on single platforms using really robust virtualization at the edge. That enables the use of a lot more performance from a processing standpoint, which means you can start pushing intelligence down to where the source of data emanates. Well, I didn't realize it was so simple. It's not quite as so simple. So we'll see something like this this week, right? Not quite as simple as it sounds, but it's the future we're helping map for our customers. And we're actually delivering products now, um, and we'll be adding with our portfolio shortly a few more that are helping that process. Um, if you look at 
kind of our core OS business. You know, we've got some platforms in place out with customers right now that were formally announced and deliver in the fall that allow them to have heterogeneous environments and mixed levels of integrity um, on one platform such that they can kind of marry the operating environment to the level of criticality of the workload. Some workloads are going to need to be highly critical. You know, they may have to live up to safety standards that are of the highest, and so you're going to want potentially an RTOS to really drive those. Others to be lower criticality, so you want to take advantage, for example, of the robustness of Linux and the robustness of the ecosystem that goes with it. And you want to be able to, as I said, consolidate those on single platforms. If you pop up a level on the topology, Rich, you know, depending on the industry, you might call it fog, you might call it mobile edge compute, but think a layer up the topology. The investment we've made and the value we're delivering to customers with our titanium platform is doing the same thing at that next level of abstraction, where they can start to, once again, consolidate workloads, virtualize them, um, and be able to much more effectively manage their overall compute available to them. Very good. Well, we are up against our five minutes here. Um, I want to thank you, Jim. Uh, as I said at the beginning, I love to interview you because you always answer the questions honestly, and that's not something a lot of people can say. I appreciate that, Rich. Thank that you so was much. Wind River CEO Jim Douglas, and I am Rich Nass with Open System Media. Have a great day, Jim. Thanks, Rich.